Welcome to another episode of Pound for Pound Box Report. After uh, not being with you guys um, last week and after starting late uh, this evening, uh, for those who are checking us out live on YouTube, uh, we are finally here. Uh, episode 269 of Pound for Pound Box Report. I am your host, Michael, joining me this week, Gail from Communities Digital News. What's going on, Gail? Hey, those introductions were pretty easy this week, huh? <laughs> indeed, indeed. It's just, um, it's just a one-on-one tonight. It's the lightning round version of the show. Yeah, and, and because of that, uh, we're going to try to shoot through these topics uh, very, very quickly. Uh, for those who don't, uh, for those who are new to the show, Pound for Pound Box Report, live YouTube show and podcast, as well as blog discussing all things boxing, the modern wisdom of boxing is good. We will talk about it. When it's bad, we will talk about it. Bottom line is, if it concerns the sweet science, we will talk about it. If you want to find out more information about the show, uh, check out the blog page, p4pboxreport.wordpress.com. That's the link. You check the check the top right portion of the blog page. You will find links to where to find us all over social media, uh, where to find us on all uh, platforms that carry RSS feed, you know, your Spotify, your iTunes, your Google Play your Google Play Music, your Google Podcasts, etc., cetera, uh, as well as links to the uh, donation um, um, links. Uh, let donation be the best nation. We got uh, Cash Me, PayPal, uh, got links to a Cash Me and K- PayPal uh, donation um, app. Uh, so please, I don't care if it's a dollar, two dollars, 50 cents, five dollars. If you want to uh, donate some more, please do. Um, again, let donation be the best nation. And, and finally, uh, got a link to my uh, fitness page. I am a coach for uh, Beachbody Online, Beachbody On Demand. Um, hopefully, wink, wink, nod, nod, fingers crossed, uh, Gail will be joining the team. Uh, I am in for November. Come on, folks. It's the holiday season. Yeah, let's build together oh, November uh, fitness challenge. That's right. Get it. Get ahead of that. Get ahead of that shit. You know, waking up January 2nd saying, oh, my God, what have I done to myself? Yeah, the holiday seasons are soon upon us. Um, uh, If you're interested in anything, Beachbody, if you're interested in any of the programs on Beachbody On Demand, Shakeology, any any and everything else in between, uh, please check out my uh, fitness page on uh, on Pound for Pound Box Report blog page. Let's get things going. like I said, we're going to try to rush through this show quickly since there's only the two of us so far. Let's start things by going back last week. Uh, Philadelphia, to be exact, uh, light heavyweight unification bout between WBC champion Alexander Vlastic, IPF champion Arthur Bertibiev, which turned out to be a very uh, entertaining bout. Uh, Bertibiev ended up winning by 10th round stoppage. To me, he just wore down Gavostik over time. Gavostik, he fought very hard. He was valiant. But, Gail, these two fought as amateurs with uh, Bertabiev uh, defeating Gavostik. Stopped him in the second round, I believe. 
I got the sense, and I said this on Twitter, I got the sense that Bertabiev had the mindset of he was the grown man and Gavostik was the boy, the little boy. Big brother, little brother, if you will. I, I always felt that even as Gavostik was landing his shots and doing well at points, that Gavostik knew that anytime he really turned it on and put on the pressure and the power that he would eventually get to Gavostik. And he did just that. He didn't necessarily do it with headshots, but with body shots. But at, in the end of the day, very impressive performance by Bertabia. I would argue the best of his career. I wouldn't argue with you. I would absolutely agree with you. It's the best of his career, especially at this level against an opponent as good as Vosdick. He won by being the guy applying the pressure, not just the physical pressure, but the mental pressure. You know, it wasn't very far into the fight before I got this feeling that Vosdick, you know, he had lost it in his mind already. He was borderline deer in the headlights at moments. He just had no answer at all for Better Beav, who was the embodiment of just, you know, a battering ram or, you know, was like, I heard somebody describe it as, you know, when you see the heroes in Star Wars and they're up against the wall that's about, you know, moving forward and about ready to squish them to death, you've got the feeling that Better Beav was the wall coming toward Gavazdik, the nail, and he got nailed all right. It really was impressive. Because Better Beav didn't do it with, you know, a one-punch knockout. He did it with tools that would work against virtually any sort of fighter. And those tools included boxing skills, not just strength. I mean, his ring generalship was phenomenal. So you look at that. I really expected Gavazdik to put on a better performance than that. Um where better be of goes now. I think if I'm a potential opponent, I look at him and think, wow, mm, I think the risk versus reward ratio needs to shift to a little bit higher reward to take the risk against this guy. At this point, I would put him right this day at the top of the light heavyweight division. That might change in about a week and a half, but right now it's his. Well, immediately upcoming for uh, uh, Biev is, is a mandatory de a defense against in China. Um, Bob Aram, I caught this and I wrote about this for uh, Three Kings. If you was paying attention uh, after the bout, Aram basically told Biev he didn't want this leaked out to the, to the media, but he said his next fight is in China, uh, a, a mandatory defense against uh, – give me a quick second. Let me um, – catch his name, uh, Meng Falong. Uh, it's going to happen in February, but I know we're being presumptuous here, but assuming he makes it, assuming that fight is a go and Bertabiev were to win, how would you compare him to your thoughts on him in comparison to the other uh, champions? I know Kovalev is fighting Canelo uh, uh, in November. Uh, you got Bivald, he's still out there. 
Um, where would you rank? You, you, how, where would you put Bertabia? Would you put? Is it automatic that he's above them, or is it just because he's now a a a, a unified champion that you would just put him over the top? Would you make him? Uh, is did he leap? Did he? Did, is there a gap now between Bertabiev? I'll, I'll put it this way: Is a is there a gap now between Bertabiev and the rest in the rest of the lot at once, 175 pounds? Uh, certainly, the title holders, and certainly the um, biggest challenger, which is of course Canelo at the moment. So let's assume that what we're talking about is Bertabiev versus Gvozdik, who he just defeated, um, Bivol, Kovalev. And Canelo Alvarez. Until we see the fight between Kovalev and Canelo on November 2nd, with them being an unknown quantity without more information about their current state of skill and health, I would put better be a first. And it is based on the belts. It's based on the fact that he absolutely dominated Vostick. I mean, Forget the scorecards, which were crazy, if you ask me. Two of the scorecards. Yeah, two of them had had, uh, had Bostic up by two. I didn't understand that. That was nuts. Oh, you know, only John Potterage got it right out of New Jersey. He had um, better be up. I believe he had it eighty-seven, eighty-three at the time of the stoppage. That 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 was about right. I would have even maybe given better be of another round. How anyone scored a majority of rounds to that point? For Vostick, I, I don't know. And one factor that I did notice, if you recall, it looked like their Bitterbeev had scored a knockdown in the first round. It was later ruled to be a slip using replay in the state of Illinois. Fantastic! What a good example of how replay can assist in a fight and provide clarity and fairness without slowing things down, without messing up the trajectory of the fight. It was perfectly done. So if your judges had on their scorecards a 10-8 for better be of, in a round that Bosdick up to that point was winning the first round at least, they probably just changed their scorecards back to a 10-9 for better be of. The correct score would have been to change it back to a 10-9 for Vostick. Without the knockdown, he won the round. So that was a problem right there. And it you know, kind of went on from there. Nevertheless, better be have learned one of the key lessons of boxing. If possible, do not leave it in the hands of the judges. He did not. He did not get screwed out of a victory. I, until I see how Canelo Alvarez and Sergey Kovalev perform this weekend. I've got to have better be a first. However, I do think a man willing to challenge him and a good challenge is actually Dimitri Bivol because Bivol isn't going to get in there and brawl with him. Bivol has far better boxing skills, superb footwork. He's not going to stand in front of better be of and let him hit him. And he might be able to find that, you know, hidden key and turn it in the lock and figure out how he can get to better be of and score and roll up those rounds in a way 
Bosdick actually did do with some of the judges, but, but Bevel could make it stick. So there might be less risk for him. The fight I think we'd all love to see because it would be such a great grudge match is better Bia versus Kovalev. But if Kovalev gets the tar beat out of him uh, November 2nd, you know, I'm not sure how much of an appetite there would be for that, especially by Kovalev. He might just say, you know, I got a big, big payday. I'm done. We'll see. So I think we will know a lot more probably when all the chairs shuffle around on the cruise ship, uh, probably by the beginning of next year. And, and I will say we met with Canelo Alvarez today for a media event in San Diego where he trains. And he more or less said he's going to reassess where he's at after the first of the year, no matter what the outcome of the fight is. He'll make his decision. Where is he going to fight? What division? You know, how, how does he plan to move forward? We will not know right away after the fight. Yeah. Uh, and based on, on what you were telling me uh, before we got things uh, underway, uh, you was, was at the uh, workout session for Canelo. Um, the move up in weight, um, he's really enjoying because based on what you were telling me, um, he looked terrific uh, today in his in his in his workout session, um, looking stronger and hitting harder than ever. Looking great, looking in phenomenal condition, hitting exceptionally hard, and in great spirits. You know, we've seen a very taciturn, stiff-lipped Canelo recently, especially at the announcement of the fight. You know, he was pretty darn frosty about his relationship with his promoter, Oscar De La Hoya and Golden Boy in it. And it sort of infused a lot of things that day. Today is the first time I can recall in four or five years where I would call Canelo cheerful, happy-go-lucky. He was in great spirits. He was making requests of music from the mariachi band, live band that was there. He was singing. He was messing around with his trainers, Eddie and Chepo Reynoso. In, in particular, Chepo, the older, the older man, the father, who's a, a, a very lighthearted man um, by personality. He was having a damn good time. I would say better than I've seen him in public in years. And whether light heavyweight suits him and that's the reason for his good mood, you know, he's not hangry. He's not feeling the heat of trying to make weight. Um, who can say? Maybe he feels so much more powerful staying at this weight to train um, that it's given him, given him this new jolt of personality and energy. Whatever it is, it's working for him right now. And you'll see the videos start popping up. I'm sure as early as tonight through the rest of the week. I encourage you to get on your favorite YouTube channel and take a look. I think you'll be impressed. And once Sergey Kovalev sees some of this, I think he needs to start praying to the Virgin of Guadalupe to help him. <laughs> and if you if you're checking us out uh, live on YouTube or watching it or watch this watch this on YouTube later, um, if you check out the uh, uh, Avi 
uh, from Gail. That is from um, the Canelo uh, uh, workout session. And yes, that is a new tattoo. He's sporting Canelo on, on, on the forearm. Yes, he is. We did ask him about that. The, these eyes right there. And um, he, it's a certain it's a certain icon in, in Mexico. And it's the eyes of something or other. And I, I must admit, I'm going to have to go back to my notes and see what he said. Uh, somebody else asked him, well, how many tattoos do you have now, Canelo? And he had to think about it. And he said, I'm not sure, 10 or 11. And one of the guys that knows him says, you have 10. He said, okay. <laughs> you know, his tattoo selection is all a little bit, um, you know, seemingly unconnected and random, but they all do mean something to him. Um, I think what you might also see visible is a date. That was the date of his, his professional debut. So that, that one mystery I can clear up for you. Let's move on. Since we weren't here last week, um, I want to talk about some fights that took place the weekend um, of the 12th. Uh, most notably, uh, the card that took the design card in Chicago, headlined by Alexander Usek making his heavyweight debut against Chaz Witherspoon. Usek winning by seventh round stoppage. Your impressions of Usek, former un- unified, undisputed cruiserweight champion, moving up to heavyweight. Uh, a lot of people feel, myself included, that based on the skill set of Usek, he can do damage in this division, even possibly win a world title. Your impressions of what you saw from him against Witherspoon, look, we thought, we felt that Usek was going to dominate Witherspoon and, and defeat him uh, soundly, and he did just that. Uh, you can't get nothing really from this, but yet still, Wilder basically had some words about Usek said he's too small. Usek basically had a funny response uh, to what Wilder said. Usek is already talking Wilder. He's talking uh, 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 Joshua. I think he's top of the rankings already in, in, in the WBO. Your breakdown of what you what, what you saw from him and, and, and your thoughts on him uh, moving forward in the heavyweight division. I think everybody making any pronouncements right now about his place in the division needs to slow their role for Pete's sake. It was a few rounds. And I think the outcome of the fight for Usyk was informed more by the fact that he has been out of the ring a long time and he's coming back from a fairly significant injury. You know, a bicep tear, a bicep injury is no joke. Soft tissue injuries like that can be really difficult to come back from. They take a long, long time to be 100%, if ever. It's not like a bone. You, you're honestly way better off breaking a bone than you are damaging a key muscle and tendon structure like that. So what I saw was a lot of ring rust. Uh, if you noticed early in the fight, the commentators mentioned it, seeing Usyk shaking out his arms and his upper torso. I don't care how much you train when you get into the ring and it's the real deal, your adrenaline's rolling. It feels a lot different. The bright lights are on. The fans are in your face and you can stiffen up. You can feel a little different than you did during training, just different enough to feel uncomfortable. So I think that's what we saw a very rusty Usyk. Now, even a rusty Usyk is going to have no problem with an opponent like Chaz Witherspoon You know, no disrespect to him, however. 
He was in shape enough to be able to say yes to a fight on short notice. Good for him. A lot of guys would not have taken it. A lot of guys didn't take that fight long before he came along. That's why Usyk was originally stuck with an opponent like Tyrone Spong. I mean, seriously? They had to go find a former kickboxer turned boxer, sweet science boxer, to face Usyk. So I give Witherspoon a lot of credit for giving it a go. But he was just one big moving punching bag for Usyk. So I think we've got to see Usyk in at least one or two more fights with decent quality opponents now that he's sort of knocked the ring rust off. Anybody ranking him anywhere near the top is smoking something or very anxious for a new face in the division. Um, frankly, ranking him anywhere in that division after one fight based on his cruiserweight record, I, I have a problem with that. He's ultra-talented, but when you go up a division like he is, you know, you really step back a few steps in your career road. And I need to see at least one or two more fights. So hopefully we'll see him somewhat early in 2020 so that he can get in. I'd love to see him get in three fights next year. Now I don't think he'll fight four times, but we can always hope. Couple of fights on the undercard of that Usek Witherspoon bout. I want to focus on uh, women's bout uh, unification bout 140 pounds between. Um, excuse me, Jessica McCaskill, uh, Erica Ferreras. I think WB BCBA uh, uh, super lightweight title. They fought earlier this year in June, I believe it was. Very good fight. Disputed decision. Many people felt that Ferreira's lost. One, excuse me, but McCaskill ended up winning by decision. I expected a similar, similarly good bout in the rematch. We didn't exactly get that. Uh, this was hard to watch. A lot of grabbing, a lot of holding, a lot of tugging. McCaskill won, but the fight went in such a way you really couldn't get nothing from it. Was I were you as frustrated as I was uh, by the the excessive holding? Yeah, you know I really expected a much better fight, action fight like the first one as you did. Farias is a great opponent; she really is. But for whatever reason, she decided to make it ugly, and you know there wasn't a lot McCaskill could do but to just get right in the mud with her and. She actually dominated Farias far more than I thought she might. Um, the first fight was dandy, and we were all very excited to see this this rematch. But McCaskill did prove, you know, she is for real. She handled it um, as best she could, got the win, got out of there without too much damage. Um, and this sets her up nicely for some really good opportunities. She's worked awfully hard. Um, with very little support or fanfare. So I hope she rides this for a few really good visible fights. She's got those titles now. And I think that she is owed some respect now in the overall women's game. And, you know, 
if there was a women's pound for pound list, I wouldn't put her in the top half. I might put her near the bottom half of the top 10, though. She, she um, is performing really, really well. And finally, on that card, listen, I've 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 been one to praise uh, Dimitri Pival. We just talked about him in terms of the in, in the context of Berdebiev's win over uh, stoppage win over Gavastic. Fought a guy by the name of Lennon Castillo. Castillo, he he gave Marcus Brown a good bout, knocked him down, as a matter of fact, in that bout. As much as I want to praise Bivol, I think he's the most skilled fighter in the division, but. His performance against Castillo left you wanting more. Sure, Castillo, he could have put more of an effort in there, considering this is a world title opportunity. But at the same time, for Bivol, it's like, man, that was just my only response to watching that fight. Just very, very man. Your reaction? Same. Same. Um... You know, Bivol's early fights were so exciting to watch. You know, not only did he have the skill set, which nobody denies that, but he scored some crazy impressive knockouts. I think what's happening, as he tried to explain after the fight, as the crowd booed him, which I think he was really rocked and shocked by that, he explained, listen, you know, there's no, there's no upside in this for me to take any risk, right? He could win all day. He can roll up rounds all damn day fighting the way he did with somebody like Castillo. Castillo couldn't, couldn't touch him. And Castillo is not, was not a bad opponent. He's got skills. He was absolutely a legitimate opponent. What Bevo is trying to say is, listen, why would I get into a brawl that, with this guy? Risk getting injured. I don't think he has any fear of losing. But why would I mix it up and get rough with this guy just for your entertainment before I find myself in a big money, big name fight? I am not going to risk that for your fun and games tonight, you boxing fans. Now, once he gets across the ring from, let's say, an Archer better be a Canelo Alvarez, which I, I think, honestly, that's a very good possibility. You know, at that point, the risk-to-reward ratio is worth it to him to get in there and see what he can do. What he's telling you is, listen, you know, I'm preserving my possible future income stream, and I can't do that if I behave in a risky manner here and lose a fight. He's not going to let that happen. And that, you know, he, his English is quite good, but it's not that good to get into the weeds and describe it that way. I guarantee you that's what he's thinking is, listen, I just need to keep the O's on the record. I need to stay busy. You know, nobody's thinking this is a world beater contest. So honestly, I can't blame him. This is, you know, this is his livelihood in his life. He is not going to roll the dice and risk, you know, at least a seven, if not an eight-figure payday. I get it. Sorry, I see Daniel and uh, Daniel from uh, the Inscriber, Jacob from Japhook. Uh, hey, hey, it's nice to join the party, gentlemen. 
I'll, hey I'll bring this. I'll bring. I'll bring them in the conversation by going back and and, and getting their opinion of uh, Gavast of Bertabia's win over over Gavastic. Uh, first, you Daniel, and then you Jacob. Ooh. Well, uh, the way I would put it is, uh, Bostic definitely earned his nickname, but for all the wrong reasons. Unfortunately, he did put up a good fight against Perturbia, but Perturbia is just one is one of those guys that just hits like a mule, and it was it became a war of attrition after a bit. Even though Vasek did have some good rounds, but ultimately it's just that the tougher guy won. And I give hats off to Perturbia. If he was out of the, if you think about it, out of all the current champions, he was technically the late bloomer. He came in later. He had the fewer amount of fights. He had situations with injuries, situations with promotion, with promotion outfits. And ultimately, now he's in a place where he's become the lineal light heavyweight champion. He's a two, he holds two belts. And the only thing that could stand in his way from getting the other ones is network issues. Should Canelo beat Kovalev? And we know Bibble's Bibble situation. So it's gonna that was a good foul. I'll admit that was wildly, wildly entertaining. And it was probably one of the better fights that I've seen in a while when it came to light heavyweight, as far as one guy really imposing his will on another. So, sorry, I was on mute. Um I'll go to you, Jacob. I Bertabia has a reputation of just being just a puncher, a uh, straightforward puncher. I was pleasantly surprised by how versatile, how how the diversity of his attack. Uh, he used the jab in there uh, in subtle ways. People are not. He's known for punches up top, but he end up what broke. He broke Gavastic down with body shots, really, at first in the in the beginning and middle of the fight before eventually breaking, um, knocking him out with headshots. Your reaction to not just the fight itself, but what you saw from Baturviev, who who did some things in there we really haven't seen from him before in previous fights, at least in recent fights. Yeah, I mean, uh, one of the things that, that uh, and you mentioned it, that I noticed a lot about the, this fight with Gvazdik and uh, Baturviev is that uh, he did uh, invest in the body, and he did hurt, um, uh, you know, Gvazdik uh, multiple times, or at least I, it looked like to me he was visibly hurt, and he, you know, kind of shied away. Um, you know, and he's, he's a to me, a true light heavyweight, Um and I'm not sure if we're going to talk about it, but, you know, like maybe future matchups, but, uh, um, you know, like what Canelo's doing, you know, moving up and, and, and wait. Um, I think if he went against someone like, uh, Baturviev, he would find a lot of problems because he, he bangs the body good. 
Um, he he's he's a hard puncher. He you know he got hit a, a more than a few times um, by Lanell, and uh, you know he stood up to it. Um, in his last previous fights, you know he he had been hurt, um, you know a couple times, you know, so he had some some kind of scary moments. But he's shown that he has a decent enough chin to kind of weather that storm and you know stick to uh, his game plan of basically um, almost like a Terminator, just eventually finding his spots to land his his power punches and, and hurt his opponent. Um, but, uh, you know, he's, he's going to be tough to beat as long as I think, I think his one weakness, if I had to name one is that he can get a little wild sometimes and, and want to throw the hard shots, um, you know, without setting them up um, like he did in some of the, um, uh, of this fight where he was, you know, using his jab and to do effective combinations and, you know, not just throwing the hard shot uh, right off the bat. Um, but he, he did do a little bit of that, too, where he would, you know, just uh, throw a, a nice hook or an overhand. And uh, But, you know, he's going to be, you know, like Daniel said, it was a really good fight. Um, I actually I gave uh, Vosdick, uh, you know, more than a few rounds. I mean, he was, he was competitive, and he was, um, you know, move as long as he was moving, you know, and, you know, getting his punches off, he was, you know, winning some of those rounds. But... You know, eventually, uh, Beterviev just was too much for him to to sustain. He was just, you know, he went, once he was landing those body shots, and then eventually that opened up the head, and you know, he basically had him exhausted. Um, and you know, it, the ref stepped in and, and stopped it, and kind of, you know, for I think it was a good stoppage. Uh, quickly, follow up question, um, gentlemen. Uh, Gail made an argument that uh, because of his performance against Golastic. And the fact that he's a uh, he has more than one title now, unified champ, uh, uh, not undisputed, but has a unified champion now, um, IBF and BC. She made an argument that uh, you could put Berseviev or Baterviev, however you uh, want to pronounce it, at the top right now in 175 pound division. Uh, first, you Jacob, and then you Daniel. Where would you rank him right now based on what you saw? Uh, this past weekend, I would rank him the the number one light heavyweight right now. Um, you know, Kovalev for his accomplishments that he's had, he's definitely on the backside of his career. Um, you know, if you look at their last, you know, whatever five fights, you know, he's he's had some tough moments. Um, even his last fight, um, and then with Bivol, you know, I think that would be a very interesting matchup, but. Uh, Beterviev just seems like he has that killer instinct that Bivol doesn't always have. So it would be an it would be a very interesting matchup to kind of be who, who is the king of, of uh, light heavyweight. But right now, it's got to be uh, Beterviev. Would you agree, Daniel? And. Right now, as it currently stands, I would say yes, because of the merit, because he is he holds two belts, because he technically now holds the lineal belt. Because remember, Vasek took that from Adonis Stevenson. So by merit, you have to do it. Skills wise, among the champions, I would probably still say Bibble. In a way, he's probably the most skilled among the three, but. 
he has the most advantage, like I said, because he, he was a late bloomer that came into it. He has the fewest fights, and we know the we know the situation with Kovalev. Kovalev is on the back end of his career, even with how good he's looked under Buddy McGirt. And Bibble realistically can he can realistically go down to super middleweight and actually do pretty well. And he's remember he's already suggested he's willing to do so. So that does put Baturbiev in that driver's seat for the moment. And it'll probably be for some time unless he, he can get a unification with Bibble or a unification with, with the winner of Canelo Kovalev, even though I think Top Rank has some other plans in mind already from what I've heard. Kind of bring you up to date uh, in terms of what we were just talking about before um, I added you onto the stream. Uh, we were talking about the design card in Chicago while we were talking about uh, Bivol's uh, mere performance against Castillo. I want you to, I want you, I want your opinions, uh, Daniel and Jacob, in, in, about Usak and his win over uh, uh, Witherspoon. Can you gather anything from that, or is it still a wait and see in terms of how he will fare in the heavyweight division? Well, it's Chaz Witherspoon, and they notice. So I have to take it in for a grain of salt. He did come in very, very late. But Usyk did show in that fight an instinct to want to finish it. That was one of actually some of the criticisms we had early on when, when he stopped going to Mr. Bashir and actually started going to Going to, like I said, Russ Abner. But now he has the killer instinct going in. He kind of knows he has to have that in the heavyweights. And while I don't take much out of it because it's, remember, it's Chas Witherspoon on a late notice. Maybe he, his next opponent, he'll get something there like a, maybe a Carlos Takam or maybe a David Allen in that area. But that, but you should expect that from it. Uh, do you share the same? Do you echo the same sentiments, Jacob? Uh, essentially, that basically that this is Chaz Witherspoon we're talking about. Let, let, let's pump the brakes before we truly evaluate uh, Usek uh, vis-a-vis the heavyweights. Um, I don't. I have mixed feelings on this in the sense that I think Usek is very talented, um, but I don't. I never really like thought of him as as a finisher um you know a guy that that's has like incredible punching power um he's more of a boxer you know he uses that jab to keep distance um he moves he moves really well um and he basically just banks banks the points um and sometimes with some of these boxers they're you know they always say styles make fights sometimes when you have a certain individual in front of you you kind of like fight to your competition. You know, it's, it's happened many times before where you would think that, you know, oh, this guy's going to get blown out because, you know, this guy's superior. But for some reason, they just they just don't do it. Um, and they just kind of coast to a victory um, in, in a way. So, and again, this is his first fight at heavyweight. Um, you know, a lot of the who he was supposed to fight and, you know, 
everything that was ha- happening. I mean, there was a lot of, uh, you know, like inboxing, you know, things happen. So, you know, it's, they try to salvage it as best they could and, and, and find an opponent, um, which is no fault of U- Usyk's. Um, and so hopefully he'll, he'll step up the competition and get a, a few more fights in. Um, but it's interesting cause he, he has the confidence of a, of a champion because he's already kind of, you know, talking a little bit of, eh, call it a little bit of trash in the sense that he doesn't think that, you know, he would have problems with Deontay Wilder and, and, you know, and basically any of the heavyweights and uh, at the top, um, I think he he could find some trouble with those with those guys. Each each guy kind of prevent uh, presents an interesting dynamic or what they bring to the table. So I definitely want to see those fights, but I think he needs to get a, a give him a few more fights in the heavyweight division, and then you know we can see you know um, where where he stands and if he's deserving of getting a a shot at the um, at the crown. And you know because we we also have. Um, you know, Joshua Ruiz too coming up. We got Ortiz Wilder. So there's still some dust that needs to settle before, you know, we make any, any moves. Um, going to uh, go to the news here. Um, going to go to you, Gail and, um, trigger warning. I apologize for this first off. Send you a bit of a trigger warning here. Uh, some disturbing news, um, regarding one, um, Oscar uh, Deloya accused of, Sexual assault, sexual battery, gender violence, negligence, um, court papers filed this week, uh, in California, 10 page lawsuit, uh, papers were obtained by ESPN on the 17th of October. Uh, I'm not going to go into the details of the lawsuit because it's, uh, uh very graphic and, and, um, disturbing. Uh, but Gail, listen, De La Hoya, highly successful in the ring, highly successful as a promoter, but we all know he has had his issues, has had his troubles outside of the ring. This lawsuit, even though he denies the allegations, sadly, another example of that. It is a very sad situation. No matter what you think of it, no matter what you believe at this early stage, these are allegations. These are not, this is not evidence or proof yet that will need to go through the courts. But there are very, very serious allegations being made. If there's any evidence to back up even a fraction, it's an ugly situation. Dale Hoya has suffered from same kind of troubling substance abuse issues, which are really the heart of his problem that a lot of former athletes do. You know, when somebody has left a limelight as big and bright as De La Hoya used to stand under, that's a rough, rough transition back to real life. I don't care how much money you've made. I don't care what your station in life is. Some men and ladies make the transition well, extremely well, some not so well, and some do not make it well at all. It's rough. And the ones that don't make it well tend to turn to things to self-medicate with. That's my guess as to what's happened with Oscar. And then 
the need for self-medication escalates into another problem all on its own that then cause a cascading effect of incredibly regrettable, sometimes ugly, vicious behavior. Courts will see this through. I, I think at many of the folks at Golden Boy, you know, have put a structure in place to where they need to just keep the business running and they've had to resign themselves internally saying, you know, our figurehead, you know, it is, he will be who he is and he's freely acknowledged battling a lot of demons. So they have a structure where they could do right by all their fighters and all their employees. Let's not, not forget a lot of people, you know, their jobs depend on that organization running well every day. I think they've learned how to get along without him and around him. I'm sure they far prefer he be with them and in good health and on the right side of things, but they'll carry on without him if they have to. It's, it's, it's extremely ugly. I hope whatever happens, first of all, the truth is found between all the parties involved. If punishment is needed, punishment needs to be rendered. I don't care who you are. And, but we need to let the courts take their course at this point. And if it turns out that Oscar's biggest problem is, you know, once again, his own demons, he needs to continue to try to battle and beat them. But it's a long, hard battle. A lot of us have watched family and friends go through it, and we know how hard it can be. Uh, I see Daniel had to step away for a quick second. Um, so I'll go, I'll go to you, Jacob. Uh, I think Gail kind of uh, put the key word on this. Demons, uh, the fact that there's even allegations of this kind uh, being directed towards De La Hoya. Demons, man. He's battling demons. And, you know, many people battle demons, you know. Um, at least we forget that, you know, celebrities, boxers, whatever, you know, they're, they're all still people. You know, everybody has their their crosses to bear and has their, their issues. And, you know, his... He has a long, you know, history of it. Um, you know, mo- most notably his uh, substance abuse problems. Um, you know, going to rehab and whatnot. And you know, most people will tell you that anybody that has an addiction problem, they never really, you know, they live with it every day to day. It never really goes away. I mean, they they can relapse at any point. So, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not surprised um, because of his. You know, his looks and, you know, um, you know, maybe how he was treated and and how he was thought to be, you know, this, you know, again, the golden boy. Um, you know, sometimes when these people um, of that stature, you know, they they wield so much power, they, you know, it can go to their heads. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, I don't know the details of this accusation, you know, as, probably as well as most people, but, um, you know. There could be some truth truth to it, you know. Maybe it's somewhere in the middle. But again, I agree with Gail. You know, justice needs to be served, um, and you know, hopefully, they are able to find out the truth. And um, you know, Golden Boy can kind of kind of move on from that. 
yeah, ultimately that's what you want to find. Uh, 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 that the truth does come, that the truth does come to light, um, for everybody's sake. But again, um, this is a, just another, um, ugly, ugly story, uh, uh, involving, uh, one Oscar Delahoya. Just sad, uh, overall. Something that you really just don't want to hear. You just don't want to hear about, um, regarding, um, anyone. Let's move on to some more, to some positive news, I will say. I'm, I'm bringing it right back to you, Jacob. Uh, positive news. This is involving women's boxing. Yes, I know. Uh, Clarissa Shields, unified, undisputed middleweight champion. She call, she calls herself the GWOAT, but there still is an argument out there that Cecilia Brackers, who's undisputed unified welterweight champion, and has been an undisputed unified welterweight champion since 2014, by the way, that she could be the quote, that she is the best, when the top women's pound-for-pound fighter in the world. Well, news broke yesterday that, that she has signed a, a multi-fight deal with the zone. Given the roster that the zone already has with Jessica McCaskill, who we talked about early in the show, Katie Taylor, who's moving up to 140 pounds. You got uh, Serrano out there. So say what you want about Matchroom, but from a women's boxing perspective, the signing of, Bra- of Breakers, uh, it adds more to an already impressive roster. Yeah, um, I agree. And, you know, I'm the thing I'm most glad for this deal is um, a woman of uh, Brackus's accomplishments and um, standards um, that she, you know, she got a deal that she, you know, hopefully it was a lucrative deal. And, you know, it's nice to see, you know, these, you know, I'm just going to call them their fighters, uh, boxers get, you know, they're, they're just, you know, whether it's payment or recognition, um, there needs to be more of that. And I think that that will uh, create more desire for um, other fighters, uh, you know, women fighters to come in and want to take up the sport. You know, if there's a place for them and and they can, if they can, um, you know, win and, and be successful, um, you know, then they can, you know, come, come to the table. And um, we've seen a lot of, of really, you know, I think, uh, really good fights uh, with the uh, women's divisions. Um, so I'm I'm really optimistic and happy that it's it's kind of charging ahead. Um, I know Gail's probably gonna bring it up, but I mean they, I still think that they need to. You know I agree with her on the whole um, you know three minute rounds and and that aspect. But uh, again, I think we're making the they might be slow steps, but definitely positive baby steps in the right direction. Um, with them being, you know, getting deals like this, being featured on, um, you know, whether it's Showtime or DAZN cards, you know, not not buried in the undercards, but, you know, getting some prominent features. And, um, you know, she got to fight twice at the StubHub um, and, you know, I think HBO's last show. Um, but as far as, you know, if we're talking, I, I still would have um, Shields as the best right now. Um, but it's only because I think Brackus 
for her accomplishments and what she was able to do. I believe she is on the on the back end of her career. Um, I believe she did lose against uh, Callie Reese, um, and and her in that fight that she, you know she got the decision on. Um, so, and it's no knock on her. I just think that it's kind of a changing of the guard. I think Shields is the kind of the up and comer, and Brackus is kind of you know she had had her place, and she might be a victim of circumstance um, in the sense that you know maybe she didn't get a bunch of the big fights because women's boxing wasn't as, you know, every year it gets a little bit more popular and they get a little bit more recognition. And so unfortunately there's got to be those, those people that were fighting at the beginning that missed that window, um, that future people, you know, they, they basically open the doors for them, but they're not going to be able to, you know, because they get older and, and, you know, less accomplished, um, they're not going to be able to enjoy the the fruits of of their labor, basically. So, but I mean, she still has has had a great career, and she'll still go down as one of the all time greats. And you know, I think, um, you know, I'm I'm glad I'm glad for her that she got that deal. Uh, let's see, if da- are you back, Daniel? I don't think Daniel's back, so I'll go to Gail. Uh, your reaction to uh, Breakers uh, signing a deal with Matchroom Zone? Excellent, excellent deal. You know, DAZN has really become sort of the heir to HBO boxing, and uh, Brekus was aligned with HBO um, before their demise, before their before they decided to leave the boxing business entirely. It's a smart move, and let's also remember, Brekus has a far bigger following in Europe. Um, so, Matchroom, should they choose to match her up in fights in Great Britain or in Europe where she could put 10,000, 15,000 people in the seats, they're in the position to do so. You know, their business here in the United States is, I would say, still a minor part of what they do. So it's the right fit for her. I do agree that her absolute best fighting days are probably behind her. It doesn't mean she doesn't have some good fights left. I still think she's the quality fighter in women's boxing until Clarissa Shields has a little bit longer track record proven otherwise. You know, in many cases, Clarissa, no knock on her, has had sort of an open road to her success. Um, I think if she is matched against certain other talents, We'd see, we'll see her be challenged a little more. And one of the things I would love to see is a rematch between Clarissa and her very first professional opponent, Franchon Cruz Desern, who is really coming on. And I think that she, I think it'd be uh, very close to a 50 50 fight if that were to happen again. Uh, but that's off in the future. Um, let's see what Brackus still has to offer. Uh, you know, I, I'd still see rather see someone of her quality, even at this later stage of her career, um, than somebody who's never going to get there in the first place. I think she's still got a lot to offer. But, but I do agree with Jacob. She lost that fight to Kelly Reese. Kelly Reese brought it. That was a great performance by her. Um, indeed. Uh, reading some comments here. Um, in the chat, 
she said from EJ Boxing Live, shout out to the brother from um, joining us, listening to us on the show. Um, he says that, um, first of all, it says good show um, to everyone. I appreciate it. He says that uh, Shields is the best woman's fighter today. He says that um, talked about this situation with Shields and um, Habazin. Uh, we talked about that a few weeks ago. Um, give an update on that. Shields' brother was uh, formally arrested. I believe he was charged as well. I think he's uh, presently um, in jail um, in a Detroit, in a Flint area uh, uh, jail right now. I don't know any further situation, further updates beyond that. But um, he has been formally arrested and in charge. And um, yeah, had a lively discussion about that uh, on on EJ's show yesterday. I personally did. Um, I see Daniel is back. Um, so I'll go to him, him and get his quick opinion on uh, Breakers in the deal that he signed with um, Matchroom Design. I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised that she did sign it because it's like like we mentioned it before with Gail and with others when we talked about HBO. A lot of the, we know a lot of the people that worked on HBO wound up working in the zone and who happened to be the main event of that last HBO card. It was Cecilia Brackis. So I'm not surprised in that aspect of it. And in a way, it's just a smart move because when you look at the landscape, obviously PBC doesn't have PBC, even though they did a lot, especially if they had the Hardy fights and the Madison Rana fights, they may not have enough of, of a space where they can highlight the silly brackets. And we know, obviously, she can't go to Showtime because of the, because of the whole Clarissa Shield situation that we, you just spoke about. But the zone, the zone works out because she'll be able to get on the platform in the U.S. She'll be working with people that have worked with her before. And she doesn't have to come to the U.S. mainly. Like, remember, she signed. She could sign a match, and she could pretty much try to stay in Europe and focus her career, even though she's wanted to do it. So it's a good deal. And what up, BJ? And ultimately, we have to see it for what it is. Luckily, because it's going to be her swan song until whoever's going to be, whether it's going to be Serrano, whether it's going to be Shields, whether it's going to be Katie Taylor, whether it's going to be McCaskill or Nicola Adams. Like I said, there's a lot of good candidates. Good candidates right now that could take, that could easily take the place of it's going to be the next person that takes women's boxing forward. So I like the move. I'm just going to see what the fights are. Um, We talked earlier about the Gusset Witherspoon uh, card. Within that card, uh, there was unfortunate tragedy that occurred as um, Patrick Day, um, 27 year old fighter, um, fought and suffered a knockout loss to Charles Conwell. Uh, unfortunately, uh, when he was knocked out, um, head hit hard on the canvas, um, went into, had to be carried out on a stretcher to an ambulance. Um, 
was body was convulsing, suffered seizures, um, had to have an emergency surgery. And a few days later after the bout, um, unfortunately, uh, passed away. We talk about when boxing is good, when boxing is bad. We talk about it well. When box when there's tragedy, uh, we also talk about it and we try to pay tribute uh, to that fighter and going to take the opportunity now to uh, pay tribute to uh, 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 Fallen Soldier and, and Patrick Day. Uh, good kid, good hard earnest kid. So many boxers and managers and, and people associated with the sport have sent their condolences, have sent their well wishes in regards to him and his family. From all accounts that I read, um, just a highly decent, fun-loving guy who just fell to the unfortunate pitfalls that, that, that comes with this hard trade. Um, I'm going to start the conversation with you, Daniel. Uh, uh, your thoughts on one Patrick Day. Oh. Let's start to talk about when it comes to tragedy because when you look at Patrick Day's story, when you look at Patrick Day's life, He isn't a typical boxing story where like he had no chance to he had no chance to do it or like or this was his only way out. He could have been something, he could have been in the medical field, he could have been a doctor. He chose boxing. He chose to get into that ring and subject himself to injury because he loved the sport. And this fight wasn't it, it wasn't a beating it wasn't like he was getting a hellacious beating like where you where you can easily try to tell a guy no we need to stop the fight we need to stop the fight it wasn't that type of fight but the way he fell just really 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 did not work well really 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 ultimately and they said it cost another cochinary tail and Unfortunately, over the past few years, whether it has been a bad fall or whether it has been really bad corner work, we've had a lot of these incidents, whether it's permanent injury or death in the sport. And it's something that we have to look into, something that we as fans, something that we that people that cover the sport as reporters, people that are in are in the camps have to have to dig themselves into it because. This is a dangerous sport. There's a reason people say, there's a reason Jim Lampley said, you don't play boxing. It's a dangerous sport. It's a dangerous profession. You are shortening your life every time you step foot into the ring. But the incidents, the amount of incidents that have been happening lately, whether, like I said, injury or death, is starting to accumulate at a rapid pace right now. And it may just be that we're noticing now because there's a lot more media avenues or it may be something that we have to address that we have to look into as a sport and maybe see 
that we may have to change a couple of things in order to have less of this because this is unfortunately this is unavoidable. Tragedy and death in the sport like this is unavoidable. But it's a lot of happening and it's been happening too much in a too short of a time. Been happening and been happening. Um unfortunately too often. Um uh, this year, uh, Jacob, I think this is maybe the third, quite possibly the fourth death that we've seen uh, this year in the sport. Um, as Daniel alluded to, quoting Jim Lampley, you know, play boxing. Um, this is not for the meek. This is not for the timid. Uh, when Nigel Ben says, said years ago, I put my life on the line every time I step in the ring, he's absolutely right. Um, and sadly, this is another example of that. Yeah, I mean, it's a painful reminder of, you know, the fragility, the fragile state of, you know, just life in, in general, you know, because like Daniel said, and even the other um, boxers that have passed away, it wasn't like a brutal back and forth war where a guy was taking and, you know, an extreme amount of punishment. It's just one of those things that happens, you know, and it's not just boxing. It, it could be any, any sport, you know, just fluke things that happen. Um, and by all accounts, every, you know, and that, I mean, I didn't know the man, but everything that I've read about him, it just seemed like he was just a really good, you know, good guy, good human being, you know, very positive and just, you know, um, loved the sport of boxing and, and, you know, just was a good guy to have around, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't like a heel or, or, um, you know, somebody that, you know, has a chip on his shoulder, um, you know, and maybe has an attitude or, you know, does, you know, did a, you know, a bunch of bad things, you know, so, um, I, and, you know, in his age too, you know, that makes it, you know, even more, you know, tragic, tragic in the sense that, you know, he, he seemed like he had, so much, you know, life to live and, and joy to take out of it. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's been a tough year for, for boxing in general, um, with, with these, uh, tragedies, you know, um, and a lot of guys, uh, and, and whatnot, but, uh, you know, um, hopefully, like Daniel said, hopefully they can, figure out, you know, things to make it less of a, a of a occurrence. But I do agree with him in, in a sense that, um, you know, I mean, boxing is, is we know it's dangerous. You know, they, they talk about it all the time about, you know, boxers say, you know, I'm risking my life and it, it's true. Um, you know, so I don't know that they can ever avoid these type of things because, like I said before, it wasn't like it was a bang 'em, rock 'em, sock 'em fight. You know, I think it's just, it, you know, he got got knocked out, and uh, you know the way his head hit the canvas. You know, it just, you know, it did it did the unfortunate job of of uh, you know ending his life um, eventually. So, you know, you know, my heart goes out to his family, and also to the uh, uh, Conwell uh, people. Um, I, I believe he uh, un unrehearsed, un unforced. Uh, he wrote a very um, 
thoughtful message on his Instagram, um, battling with, uh, you know, this tragedy in the sense that, you know, he wasn't trying to take uh, Day's life. You know, he was just fighting and, and, you know, he's struggling. I think right now when, when you've taken someone's life, you know, that you weren't trying to take um, or that you're potentially the cause of that, even though that wasn't his intention, he's struggling with, uh, you know, um, what he's going to do. Um, I know he said he's going to move on, but I don't, you know, he might never be the same again because, you know, that I think that's going to always linger in his mind. Um, you know, when he, when he throws a punch or when, you know, maybe when he's going in for, you know, what we call the kill, um, you know, unfortunately named, but, uh, you know, so I'm glad, you know, that he was able to get his, his feelings out about the situation. And I think the day camp and, um, family have been very receptive of that and letting him know that isn't his fault. It just, you know, it's, it, the tragedy is what it is. Um, and, you know, hopefully we can, you know, remember day as, you know, the person and the joy that he brought and, uh, you know, you know, hopefully we'll be able to do things to, uh, make boxing, you know, more safe. Um, thank you for your words, uh, Jacob, uh, not just in terms of, uh, Patrick Day, but also, uh, in regards to, uh, Conwell, uh, as you said, he, he, this is not something he wanted. He was just doing his job and, as a result of his doing his job, something like this happened, and uh, you you never know how someone is going to react to that. Uh, will he be the same? No. Even if he fights the same, from a mental perspective, uh, this has to change him. This will change him. Uh, so you have to have thoughts and concerns for him as well. Uh, and I also want to say, kind of indirectly. Uh, Shout out to, I think it's Jamal Charlo, who stepped up and, and, and paid the expenses for the, pay for the funeral service and, and whatnot. So, uh, I gotta give a shout out to, uh, I think it's Jamal, I think it's, I think it's Jamal Charlo who, who's, who stepped up to the plate in, in that regard. That's something he didn't have to do, but he, understanding that he's part of, of a fraternity, part of a, a boxing family, he knows the risk that you go through every time you step in the ring. Uh, uh, he did a really, really commendable thing. Uh, going to you, Gail, we, we, we are all media, I guess, in one way or another, uh, whether writing about it, whether doing podcasts. Uh, I present this to you, Gail, from a media perspective, because you not only write about it, you're a regular on this podcast, but... You're also close to the fighters. You're at ringside covering fights. Uh, you just talked, to, we just talked earlier about, uh, uh, your appearance at the Canelo, Canelo Alvarez media workout. So you interview these fighters as well. From someone who has that kind of close interaction with the fighters, how does this impact you? Me personally. Yes. You know, all of us know what boxing is about. We all know it's dangerous. It's just like any fan of the NFL by now knows it's dangerous. Anybody who watches auto racing knows it's very dangerous. Anybody who watches downhill skiing 
or competitive rock climbing knows it's dangerous. There are a lot of things in life that are dangerous that human beings do anyway. The important thing is to minimize unnecessary risk and go into it with your eyes wide open about what you're getting into. I always have told people who ask me about boxing and, and the athletes in it that very few people get into boxing from, from an affluent background because they don't have to. They don't have to take the risk. Patrick Day was one of the exceptions to the rule. His mother was a translator for the United Nations. His father is a physician. They're natives of Haiti. They're multilingual. They're successful professionals. Patrick Day had his college degree. This is the last guy from a stereotypical point of view that you would think would go into boxing. But one thing that perhaps we could take heart from is he didn't need to box. He was not one of those guys who grew up in a town, you know, with no running water, with dirt floors in the homes, who saw boxing as a way to survive. And there were a lot of guys like that. Hell, Manny Pacquiao was one of those kids. Patrick Day wasn't one of those kids. He didn't need to do this to survive, to eat, um, to get out of poverty. He, the only reason, the only reason he pursued professional boxing as a career is he loved it that much that the risk was worth it to him. So it's a long philosophical discussion. I'm sure many fans have had with uh, the assistance of some adult beverages or other substances saying, you know, is it better to live life on those terms, going out, doing exactly what you love the most, no matter the risk? You know, is it, is that worth it? Is it better to pass away knowing the reason was the source of maybe your ultimate happiness in life? There are a lot of people who take other risks that are similar and our sport is not the only one that's terribly dangerous. In fact, statistically speaking, there are a lot of sports more dangerous than boxing. I just mentioned a few. Auto racing is perhaps one of the most dangerous. Nobody's talking about ending auto racing. What we have talked about over the years is how do we remove the unnecessary risks, make things safer. So we need to talk in large part about doing what we can to prohibit fighters from getting so dehydrated, either during training during the weigh-in period or before a fight. A lot of the problems that happen with a head injury that goes south to the degree it did with Patrick Day uh, is due to dehydration. You know, the brain floats in a protection, protective um, covering under the skull in, is in essentially fluid and water. Water is very dense. You know, it is a very protective uh, device. You dehydrate, you're dehydrated not only in your body, you're dehydrated around your brain. And that is frequently down the road, we find out one of the serious contributing causes to injury. So we need to think about that. What we as fans can do right now is do not ever, ever criticize a referee for stopping a fight and do not ever call a fighter that stops or a corner that stops a fight for a fighter quitters ever. They hear us. 
They know we think that way. And they'll frequently not want to take the heat on boxing, Twitter, or social, or anywhere else. They hear it. They hear the booze. They're, they will go forward taking risks they don't need to take because they don't want to take that kind of heat from fans. So fans, I implore you, I beg of you, you know, no matter what you think uh, in your heart about whether a referee should have stopped the fight or guys decided not to come out for the next round, you know what? Grant them the dignity of their decision because it, it is that dangerous. And we, we aren't in their shoes. We aren't the referee looking in those, those eyes. We do not know. That's one tiny little thing we can do out of respect to a kid like Patrick Day. I do think also in closing, you know, Patrick Day, not too many months ago, had a wicked tough fight with Carlos Adamas. It was on the undercard of the Come Beltran fight. You know, Day put up an absolutely tremendous fight, a really, really good effort in a fight he lost. You know, we may be looking at more accumulated damage than anyone realized from that fight to the fight with Conwell. Conwell was really having his way with him. Day was too brave for his own good. Nobody stopped him. He'd already been dropped twice before he came out for the round in which he was dropped for what ultimately was the final time. So we all need to think about our role in this as well. Um, my brothers over at Three Kings Boxing, um, 2K and, and Bo, uh, Bo, who's, uh, who you heard on the show numerous times, uh, they used to box and they talk about how when you begin this boxing thing from amateur on, you kind you kind of sign, uh, an oath, if you will, that a silent agreement that you know what you're getting into and you're willing to put those risks up before, and you you are agreeing to deal with those risks as soon as you step in the ring. I say that not to uh, sound like a, a sadist sound and sensitive or anything like that, but um, this is one of the dangers that 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 can take place as soon as you agree to step inside that squared circle, as soon as you agree to put on uh, um, the eight, ten ounce gloves. Um, you don't want this to happen to anybody, particularly you just don't. But it's even more sad when it happens to someone who, by by all accounts, was is was such a a beacon of light. Uh, uh, particularly outside of the ring. Um, you can only grieve, uh, send thoughts and prayers and condolences to his family um, and his loved ones and, and, and celebrate uh, his life outside the ring and the contributions that he um, displayed um, inside the ring. Um, Sad, of course, uh, you never want to see this uh, boxing. Uh, we will move on. But again, um, it's just something that you just, just don't want to see. And you celebrate 
and we here pay our condolences to uh, the career and and the life of of, of one Patrick Day. Um, may he rest in peace. May he rest in power. Um, going to try to move on from that just from that heavy heavy conversation and move on to preview some fights because we've gone so lengthy. Um, I'm going to shorten the previews. If you're watching this on YouTube and you see the description, you see it's talking about a couple of fights, um, multiple fights here, but I'm going to limit it to two for the sake of time. Uh, so every, so also I can bring everybody into the conversation. Um, the big fight, uh, one of, I'm really looking forward to this fight. Uh, Fighters of the World Boxing Super Series, Super Lightweight Tournament, um, Regis Progress, uh, Josh Taylor. I don't care about the belts. It's for it all. Uh, it's for the mantle of best, undis- best 140 pounder in the world. Fights taking place this weekend over in England. Uh, I am amped up about this file. I can't wait. Um, about as close to a 50 50 fight as you can get. Um, both have attributes. Both are very, very good fighters, in my opinion. Fight's going to take place in London. You can see it on the zone. Uh, WBA, IBF, IBF Junior Welterweight Bouts. I, I know Ramirez has the other two belts, BC and BO, uh, Daniel. But to me, these are the two top dogs at 140 pounds. I'm leaning towards Taylor. But progress, if you're going to argue for progress to win, um, I can't push back much. Bottom line for me, I'm glad this this fight has finally happened. And I'm really, really pumped up to see what goes down. Exactly, yeah, because there was a time where we thought this was not going to happen. And we remember we just progress took legal action against the World Boxing Super Series. And look like it fell through. Luckily, got back together. Now, when you look at this fight, you, you have a good point. Like I know we talked in the beginning when it came to Berturbiev. We gave him the mantle, like him, the best light heavyweight, because he had two belts and then a new championship. It's a different case when it comes to like Jose Ramirez. Jose Ramirez, he's a great, he's a good fighter. He always packs an action fight. Like he, he's guaranteed sell out in Fresno, obviously. But progress has been, in a way, his mandatory for a while. And that fight never seemed to materialize. You, for me, you can't put Ramirez as the top dog in the division where progress was his number one contender. And they basically avoided him. Exactly. That's one of the, that's one of the things and it, that falls into it. And with Josh Taylor... I love the way he fought up as Ranchick. It was very, very well, very executed, and it showed a lot of the range of skills that he has. If I had to pick him, I would probably pick Progray. Because as good as Josh Taylor is, as good as his defense is, as good as his hand speed is, as good as his footwork is, Progray has a little bit more of that dog in him. In this sense, because of that, because of the whole Ramirez situation, because when it looked like it fell through, he was he, he, that was his first target. I want to fight Ramirez. If this was fall through, I want to fight Ramirez. 
So that so I'm going to give it to Porgate. Now, obviously you're gonna do it in enemy territory. We know it's UK. We know UK can do some home cooking once in a while. But I have a feeling that Ruguru will pull it through. And at that point, especially when it comes to seeing who's the best, at that point, then Ramirez can't avoid him. Going to you, Gail. Ruguru, Taylor, October 26th, London, Design. Who you got? Sign me up for that. All day, every day, anytime. I don't care where they are. Really, really a good matchup. This is the kind of fight, you know, not every fighter, no matter how skilled, gets. You know, there are a lot of guys who never meet a challenging 50-50 opponent at exactly the right time. You know, when they both are in full possession of their talent and their skills, you know, they're not too young, they're not too old, uh, they are in the right weight division for each other. This is one of those rare occasions. We need to celebrate it, enjoy it, you know, wish them both well in the effort. I do think it's, you know, although Taylor, I think, will give a, a terrific effort, he will make he will make Progray work for it, but I do think Progray will prevail, and I do agree. I think he's a hungrier fighter. He's the younger I think he's got a few more tools in the toolkit. I think he's also more creative. I think if he's the kind of guy that, you know, he finds himself, you know, caught in a burning building or floodwaters rising, he's going to figure a way to wiggle his way out of it. And, and literally he has. He's not only fled Hurricane Katrina, he had to flee Hurricane Harvey. You know, Hell, dudes out here, dudes wrestling alligators and whatnot so i can see why people think he's that yeah he got that he he does he does um i think i don't think he's afraid of a whole lot and that you know we talked about that at the top of the show between better be of and bostic and that attitude will take you a long way it's going to be a lot of fun to watch and i agree with everyone else i do think the winner becomes the true you know, top dog of this division. I really do. And, you know, I hope Mr. Ramirez is watching, taking notes from the sidelines because they're coming for him. Indeed. I lean towards uh, uh, Taylor, slight lean, very, very slight lean by hair. Uh, I like his height. I like his speed. Uh, He's a low-key good body puncher. Um, But I can understand why Gail... And Daniel are favoring um, Ruguru. Who you got, Jacob? I got Taylor. Um, I I don't I don't disagree with a lot of the points that you know the panel has made, um, except for one. I I think Taylor is is also hungry. Um, I don't think that Progre is more hungry than than Taylor. I think if, if anything, they're equally hungry. I think they equally want to prove to everyone that they're the best. Um, and we can all agree that the winner of this fight is the, is should be the considered the top dog. Um, Pro Gray for me, he kind of reminds me of uh, Trofimo Lopez in a way where he's, he's, he's a hard hitter 
and he's had a lot of success early, but I think he has a his defense has a little bit lacking, um, and he did get hurt, even though it was I think it was a little bit after the bell, um, by I think it was Relic that that hurt him. I want to say it was in the maybe like the second or third round or something like that. He 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 got stunned by Relic um, at the very end. I want to say of round number two. Yeah, two or three, but it was at the very end of a round. Um, right. Got, yeah. What? Which? Which? What? And the reason I bring that up is that, you know, you can have all the skills in the world and you can be a hard hitter, but a big aspect of boxing is how well can you take a punch. And so what that showed me was is that he can be hurt. And and I'm not saying that there's no boxers out there that can't be hurt, but because he sometimes leaves himself exposed. And he is hittable. Um, I think Taylor can exploit that and use his quick hands and use his skills to uh, potentially, you know, hurt uh, Progray, and which could lead him to victory. But um, it's a it's a very you know close fight, and the, these are like the perfect fights that you want to see get made when they get made. Both guys are at the you know the peak of the powers. Um, you know, undefeated, and you know, there's belts on the line. Even though that's not, you know, ultimately, you know, super important, but there's significance to to this fight. And both guys want to put on a show, and I, th- you know, both ha- are out there to prove that they are the best. And so, you know, there's no, um, there's no reason that who, you know, there's not really going to be a loser in the fight because I think it's going to be a very close fight and. You know, we could we could be in line for a rematch or you know a trilogy with a, with a lot of these top guys. Um, you know, especially if they lose a close fight. You know, if there's no reason they can't run it back. Um, you know, and and you know, even with the some of the people that they've already beaten, like Branchek and and whatnot, um, who you know won his last fight. So um, I'm super excited for this. I think the, the Super Series has done another excellent job with their season of of these uh, tournaments and um it's very satisfying um when they were able what they were able to do and put on such a you know a, like i said a significant you know pick em fight as such as this at, at the time that they've done it two young hungry fighters um approaching their peak uh belts on the line significant bout uh showcase bout has all the makings of being a real, a real, really good one. Let's hope it live up to the hype because if it does, it's going to be one of the fights of the year. Let's move on. Final fight we talk about before we uh, begin to shut things down. Uh, fight taking Progress and Taylor taking place on the 26th. Also on the 26th, um, this fight is happening in Reno. Uh, Shakur Stevenson fighting Joella Gonzalez for a vacant WBO belt. Uh, Belt vacant by Oscar Valdez is moving up to 130 pounds. The interesting thing here, Gail, is that the backstory here is even more intriguing than kind of outlining this fight on paper in terms of a tactical, tactical, technical standpoint. And what I mean by background, Stevenson is dating Gonzalez's sister. There's been some back and forth talk between them about how Gonzalez 
feels about Shakur Stevenson dating his sister. Going to be bad blood coming into the fight. So you know that both fighters are going to be motivated. You know Gonzalez is going to be fighting mad. But take all that aside, I just think that Shakur Stevenson is just the overall better fighter. He's going to prove it Saturday night in Reno. Well, we're going to find out, but they're going to have some extra motivation and emotion on the line. Yeah, they are not taking this well at all. Um, essentially, it's kind of sad that it's it's kind of sad that it's happening. And how does this put uh, uh, Gonzalez's sister? She's got to be just the, the the gamut of emotions coming into this fight. Well, I she, feel for. Her. I, I feel for her. I feel for the whole family. She has made it pretty clear that she's chosen sides. She's standing with her man, Stevenson. The Gonzalez family feels this is traitorous. Um, they've disowned her. Now, yeah. her brother claims, you know, this all brought it to a head. And, you know, for the good of the family, they, they had to cut communication. She's telling a different story on her side that they had a falling out long before this. Uh, an extra little twist of, of all of this is, you know, she also trains as a fighter. She's not a pro, but, um, you know, they met in the gym at a point where way back when Stevenson and Gonzalez did some sparring back in the day. So it's all a big darn mess. You know, pick your favorite telenovela, soap opera. This is the real stuff. They can't, they can't make stuff like this up. And fighters, you know, can be very emotional people. You know, this is a sport that runs on a lot of adrenaline, emotion, drive. It's going to be interesting to see how both of their normal game plans are affected. Stevenson has the better pedigree. Stevenson appears to have the better skills. However, we should not sleep on Gonzalez. He's tough. He's determined. He won his last fight. Um, up at the uh, AKA Dignity Health Sports Park here a couple months ago and looked absolutely great. I hope, just like Progre and Taylor, we have a great fight. Both guys feel they gave their best at the end of the night. Come up May with the winner. And if it's that good, God forbid the whole, the whole family implodes, but we roll it back. So should be a fight well worth watching. I'll go to you, uh, uh, Daniel and Jacob. Your thoughts on this fight, the backdrop being the family tension, even adds more fuel to what we're about to see. Oh, my God. I did not know about the family thing. Yeah, drama, man. Drama. Oh this, is be- this, is some, this is some. This is better than a soap opera. Oh, wow. That is intrigue. That, it's almost like, a bit. It's almost as bad as the. It's almost as bad as the. How do I say it? As the whole situation with the remember the Garcia family, where the brothers actually did not speak to each other, even though they were next door neighbors. That is amazing to me that this is actually happening now. But as far as the fight itself, 
I agree with Gail. She was in as a better pedigree. I do think this is pretty much set up in a way where he'll get the belt. And that's obviously the VO, so he'll get matchups that are pretty favorable to him in that sense. I don't expect much of an upset, particularly now with the family drama, because he might be thinking too much about the family. The family might be thinking about the other things when Stevenson will be focused on winning and getting the belt. Your thoughts, Jacob? Um, I'm I, I'm going with Stevenson in this one, um, but I don't think it's going to be as competitive as. Uh, it's definitely to me not not a a pick 'em fight like um, the the uh, Pro Gray uh, Taylor fight. I think Stevenson is really starting to come into his own, um, and I think he's going to. He's gonna put on a pretty spectacular show, and I think he's gonna he's gonna beat uh, Gonzalez pretty handedly. Um, I mean, I want to just I, I would like this a good fight, of course. Um, but my leanings are that it's it it could be a pretty um pretty clear victory. Um, I think he'll he'll stop Gonzalez. Um, Stevenson seems to be on the fast track. Um, and as you guys said, you know, I think his pedigree is just is just you know a few notches above Gonzalez's. Um, so, I mean, you know, again, hopefully we'll see a good fight. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm going with Stevenson. And I didn't, I also didn't know that, that uh, the whole girlfriend thing. And it's kind of sad, you know, because, um, you know, what, what do they expect her to do? I mean, it's, yeah, she's part of the family, but you know, what they, what, what do they say? You, you can pick your friends, but you can't pick your family. Um, so, you know, if she's dating the guy, I mean, you stand by your man. And, yeah. and, and for those that want to dig into the gory details, just go look at their Twitter and their Instagram feeds. They oh, dear. The whole thing out right there in public. Oh, dear. Oh, yeah. Oh, um, kids. You kids. <laughs> One final issue here. Uh, shout out to Olaf the Mighty. Um, him who's in the chat right now, he has a request. I'm going to show the question right now. He's asking. Um, we, I was going to wait to talk about this fight uh, next week in, in, in what in terms of recaps. On the undercard of, of, of Progress and Taylor, you have Derek Chisora fighting uh, um, Derek Price. I mean, yeah, we have uh, Derek Chisora fighting um, David Price. Excuse me. Uh, a lot of drama into this, particularly when it comes to Chisora and how he's been popping off at the mouth beforehand and 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 mooning some people and trigger warnings and all uh, and yeah him and his shenanigans and and, and tomfoolery and, and as daniel would say uh uh rhymes with muckery but the word starts with an f um your thoughts on this fight folks i think he, i think he's gonna i think chisora is gonna Beat Price for sure, probably knock him out. Price, I don't know, he's just never been to me. He was kind of touted as a potential heavyweight hopeful, but he always seems to to fall short. You know, he he's a he's a big guy, um, lengthy guy, but uh, he just doesn't have what it takes to. To what, to what I think to be that uh, kind of a rising Chisora. Um, I'll go to you, uh, uh, 
Gail and Daniel, any concerns in terms of the chaos of the Chisora camp and the thoughts that early on in the in the lead up that Chisora was going to train himself? Come to find out he's going to be trained by some guy, 33-year-old unknown guy, uh, no head training experience. That uh, Anything about that that causes has cause for concern from you? No, no more than it would have him stepping in the ring in the first place. I mean, listen, this is just crazy, crazy ass fight. You know, neither of them at this point of their careers is, you know, particularly distinguished. They both have some significant beatdowns on their record enough to concern me. There's a six and a half inch height difference between Chisora and Price. Price's size is probably the best thing going for him. Um, but his resume is uh, fairly questionable. I, I think that's the nicest thing I can say. His last significant fight was probably his fight um, against Alexander Povetkin. And we all know what happened there. He got knocked the F out. So, you know, he really hasn't looked all that great since, despite, you know, another, another law. And then he lost six months later to Sergei Kuzmin. So he's had some comeback fights since then. Had his fight with David Allen. Um, I think it's going to be very, very ugly for him unless he, if he just, if he decides he's going to engage, if he thinks for some reason he can overwhelm Jazora because he's so much taller with such a reach advantage that he's, you know, going to try to go in and go after him. Yeah. I, I think Chisora is going to make him regret that. If he decides he's going to make it a tactical fight, you know, perhaps he's got a chance. I don't think he knows how to do that. So I think it's going to be one big hot mess in the ring. Uh, but I, I do pick Chisora in this fight. I do. All, th- all, all things being fair, Daniel, you can't trust uh, David Price's chin. He's been knocked down and knocked out too many times. Uh, Chisora can punch. Uh, you don't know about his mental state, given some of the crazy things he's said and done in the lead up to this. And honestly, really going to be honest, do we know he's fully recovered from that Dillian White knockout? Uh, I'm going with Chisora here, but I'm going with Chisora. I'm going with him by knockout, but there's still an unknown quality there for me. Your thoughts, Daniel? Yeah, that's pretty much the mindset. This is a crossroads fight to be between these guys. Both of these guys are nowhere near at this point at this stage of their careers going to be world title contenders. And both of these guys are probably going to be at the tail end of their career. The one probably saving grace, like we all mentioned it, is with all of the all of the tomfoolery, I'll say it, tomfoolery, surrounding Chisora's camp, the, the saving grace is the fact that David Price has the heavyweight version chin of Amir Khan, which is like a cotton candy chin. And that'll be probably a saving grace. If anything, to me, this fight is probably an audition to who's probably going to be the next person to face Usyk. Because, like I said, none of these guys are 
any real present danger as far as world championship. I don't see I don't see Chisora or Price lining themselves up, for example, to fight Wilder, fight Ruiz, fight Joshua, fight Fury. Even though like we know like a few like a few years ago the big fight in the UK among like the tall guys was gonna be Price versus Fury, but then we all know what happened to David Price. So I'm gonna picture Sora because because I like I mentioned it before, I'll say it again. David Price has the heavyweight version of Amir Khan's chin. Damn. Um some final comments here before we start shutting things down. Olaf this Olaf said in the chat that he said Chisora is uh just read here, he said Price just dominated and stopped Dave Allen, who's ranked similarly to Chisora. Problem is, okay, fine, but it's still the factor of, of Price's chin. I can't trust it. Um he also said that Chisora is also training himself this time. When um when has it, has that ever worked out for anyone? That's true too. So that's why that's the that's the unknown question here in terms of this, even it's though it's gonna I'm work out just right. <laughs> um, EJ in the in the in, in the chat he asked uh, uh, thoughts on Taylor and progress. We just talked about that. EJ is predicting uh, a progress KO. He's predicting it inside twelve rounds. Um, and yeah, I'm predicting. I'll say for the record, I'm predicting Taylor uh, uh, by the slightest of margins, by a hair, to win a decision in what should be a, a damn good fight. Um, I think it's going to be so good. They're going to run it back in a rematch next year. That's how good I think the fight is going to be. Uh, but yeah, I'm, 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 I'm going with Taylor with this. Um, and, um, I think we're going to start to end the show on that note because we're running a little bit long. Uh, because we started so late, we're ending it really, really late here. It's after midnight, my time here on the East Coast and with EJ and, uh, listening to us live from the UK. Please, it has to be, what, 5, 6 o'clock in the morning, so I think we're going to shut things down. I'm going to go around the panel here. First, I want to thank Olaf, uh, the mighty EJ Boxing Live. Uh, had a very passionate discussion about the situation with Clarissa Shields um, yesterday on his show. I want to thank the brother for inviting me on to give my um, two cents. Uh, go around the panel here. We always begin the show starting with ladies first. We're going to end the show starting with ladies first. Gail from Community Digital News. For those who want to talk the sweet science, for those who want to talk the media, uh, because you do train and teach, you do media training and you also teach media as well. And uh, part of my Let's Let's Build Together November um, Fitness Challenge is going to start next month. Um, Again, if you want to check it out, Check out my uh, um, online uh, fitness page on Beach on Pound for Pound Box Report uh, 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 blog page. A uh, bunch of programs, two week free trial that runs throughout the year. If you want to try something on a two week trial basis, but anyway, get from Community Digital News for those who want to talk boxing or anything else. Let the folks know where they can find you. What a lead up! Holy moly! You can find my regular column. Yes, there's some of us that still write about boxing. Um, I'm at Communities Digital News. That's com, C-O-M-M, digi, D-I-G-I news, com, digi-news.com. Glad I'm able to keep all you guys up late tonight. Thank you very much. You got to worry about your bedtime, you know, but we'll tuck you in at the Pound for Power Report. 
Indeed, indeed, indeed. Uh, go to, um, Jacob from Japanese Boxing for those who want to talk the sweet science, for those who want to talk, uh, TV and film because you, uh, uh, do appear from time to time on the wrong reel, uh, uh, film and television podcast. Um, let the folks know where they can find you. Yeah. Um, like always, thanks for having me on and with esteemed people such as yourself and the award winning Gail Falkenthal. Um, but uh, I also wanted to give a shout out to Daniel. I, I don't, you know, I, I think his birthday was this month, maybe like on the 11th or whatever. So I want to say happy belated birthday, Daniel. Um, you know. Indeed, indeed. Um, Set it to a privately. I want to say publicly here on Pound for Pound Box Report. Belated happy birthday, bro. But uh, yeah, I could be found on Twitter, JRATM23, uh, talking, you know, boxing and movies and um, getting ready for. Uh, you know, if you want to hit up the local fights here, I'm going to be at the uh, StubHub, Dignity, Home Depot, whatever center and uh, uh, for the Soto or Sosa um, Burchell fight. So, um, yeah, hit me up there and, uh, you know, we'll have a beer together. Um, last but certainly not least, um, uh, Daniel from the Inscriber, uh, for those who want to talk the sweet science for those who want to talk the NBA, especially Miami Heat, I know the NBA season, it kicked, it kicked off last night, getting again tonight. And I don't know who is this Jones dude for the Heat who was dunking on fools tonight. Um, I need some info on that. Uh, but for, yeah, for those who want to talk uh, the sweet science, for those who want to talk the NBA, especially the Miami Heat, Daniel, uh, let the folks know where they can find you. <laughs> yes, folks, you can find me on Twitter, Rockers99. Um, me and my folks for boxingnews.com we're going to have to try to get the podcast reestablished. Our schedules have been insanely busy. I want to apologize to your festive advance for not being able to get through last week. But uh, the person you're talking to is Derek Jones Jr. He is, I think right now, a second third-year player with the Heat, and he is known for dunks, and he's actually one of the main reasons why Goran Dragic right now is not part of the Dallas Mavericks. He was part of the original trade that would have that would would have brought Jimmy Butler to Miami, but Pat Riley wisely did not want to give up Derrick Jones Jr. and he caught a body tonight. This time it is Jonas Valanciunas. You're on mute, Mike, or I can't hear you. Uh, yes, folks, I think Mike is unfortunately on mute, or he got cut off a little bit. Uh, can you hear me now? Yeah. Now we can. Okay, go ahead. I lost connection there. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, for those who want to, um, for those who want to talk boxing with me, uh, for those who want to talk music, for those who want to talk fitness, um, you know what it is on Twitter, uh, Brother JR at Brother JR76. Um, as I said at the beginning of the show, um, if you want to find out all things regarding Pound for Pound Box Report, the blog page is the place to go to. Um, P4P Box Report, uh, dot wordpress.com. Um, 
that is the link. You check the top right of the blog page. We'll find links to where to find us all over social media, where to find us on platforms to carry RSS feed. Uh, the donation, the links to the uh, cash me and PayPal donate donation, donate pound for pound box report, cash me and PayPal donations. You know, the links to that. Um, on the next episode, um, we will do a recap of uh, Pro Grace and Taylor. We will do a recap of Stevenson and um, Gonzalez. Um, we will t- do a recap of Chisora and David Price. We may also talk about Erickson Lubin, who's fight- fighting um, Nath- Nathaniel Gallimore, Robert Easter Jr. He's fighting Adrian Granado- Granados. And um, we will do a uh, preview of the upcoming um, Light Heavyweight Showdown, Sergey Kovalev. Canelo Alvarez, Canelo moving up two weights to from middleweight to light heavyweight to challenge for Kovalev's WBO light heavyweight strap. Also on that same night, this fight is happening November second in Las Vegas. Same night in Carson, California, the fight that Jason is going to attend at I still call it the StubHub. Miguel Burchelli is going to be fighting Jason Sosa. That fight is going to be on I think ESPN. Correct me if I'm wrong, Jacob. Um, yeah, and ESPN. And um, because this fight is happening in a funky day of the week, uh, middle of the week, we're going to do a preview a little bit ahead of time. Uh, We're going to preview not only in in a way his fight against Nonito Donaire, IBF, WBA, Bantamweight Unification, the finals of the World Boxing Super Series Bantamweight Tournament. Uh, We're going to do a preview of that fight as well. So, uh, again, I want to thank EJ Boxing Live. I want to thank Olaf the the Mighty. Uh, Shout out to the the homie Bo, uh, who's often here on Palpatine Box Report. Shout out to my brothers over at 3Q Boxing. Full uh, Gill for Communities Digital News, Jacob Jabhook Boxing, Daniel the Inscriber. I'm your host, Michael. This has been episode 269 of Pound Box Report. Uh, again, for those who are watching us live on YouTube, sorry for the late start. My apologies for that. I had to tend to matters beforehand. But yeah, episode 269, Pound Box Report. We will see you guys next time. Everyone have a good evening. Good night. Good night. Good night, everybody.